Today the church celebrates the baptism of Christ and so we have the sort of three readings set for the day and the first one is from Genesis chapter 1 right at the beginning of the Bible and the first five verses. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Our second reading is from Acts chapter 19, again beginning at verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. And our Gospel reading is Mark 1, beginning at verse 4. And so John came, baptising in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. As As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. 
This is the word of our Lord. At sort of strange times like this, you begin to ask yourself, what does it really mean to be a Christian? And perhaps a little bit more succinctly, what is it that actually distinguishes somebody who is a Christian from somebody who isn't? And I guess if we had a whiteboard, we could come up with a lot of ideas for the next half hour or so about what makes a Christian and what doesn't. And because today we're looking at Jesus' baptism, you, you may even think that perhaps the distinguishing mark of being a Christian is being baptised. However, we've just heard a passage, we've just read about when Paul St. Paul went to Ephesus and visited a group of new Christians who had recently been baptised. And he asked them a fundamental question. He asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you take God into your mind only or did you embrace him in your heart? Did he get inside of you? Or was it just a brain thing? Those men replied that they'd never even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. They'd never heard of the concept that God could dwell inside of us. So Paul, almost in astonishment, says, well, how were you baptised then? And they said, in John's baptism. Now John the Baptist had an important role, and that role was to call people to a new beginning, a moral and spiritual renewal that would lead to forgiveness of their sins, their wrongdoing. But John's baptism marked out those who identified with John. But when Jesus came, it would be the Holy Spirit that would mark out those who identified with Jesus. So those early Christians needed to be baptised again. This time in Jesus' name, which Paul did. And then Paul prayed for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And the Holy Spirit did come upon them. And they knew straight away that the Holy Spirit had come upon them because they started to speak in tongues and to prophesy. And that was the point when they were fully incorporated into the community of believers. You see, 
the new era that Jesus ushered in at his baptism was marked by the activities of the Holy Spirit moving in his fullness and power. It wasn't just an idea, it was something practical that could be experienced and could be seen. A little bit later, Jesus went to his hometown and he spoke to the people that he grew up with in the synagogue there. And he kind of outlined his distinguishing mark and a distinguishing mark of those who follow him too. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And here's the crunch. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to, and now we come to the activities, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. As Jesus came up out of the water at his baptism, he saw heaven being torn open, we're told, and the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove. The Spirit was the distinguishing mark of Jesus' ministry. The Spirit descending upon Jesus at the River Jordan was the dawn of a new era of salvation. The same Spirit who hovered over the waters of chaos at the beginning of creation. St Paul wrote in his Gospel in the letter to the Galatians, My old self was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live this earthly, in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So here's our first distinguishing mark as a Christian the effect of the Holy Spirit dwelling in a person, Christ in us. And if you stop and think about that for a minute or two, if Christ is truly in a person, then things around them are going to be different to normal. A distinguishing mark. Paul, quite a few times, mentions in his epistles the term something like Christ in me or Christ in us. But here's the thing. Paul 
mentions many, many, many more times that we are in Christ. And that's the other distinguishing mark. Christ in us and us in Christ. And that's a little bit harder to explain. Just think of it this way to start with. We live in an environment that relies on the S-U-N, sun. From the sun that we see in the sky, we get heat, well, occasionally we see it in the sky, we get heat and light that sustains life, and it's also the means by which we can see. And to being, so we rely on the sun, our whole planet, our whole way of life, relies on the sun. To be in Christ is to rely on the S-O-N Son, from whom we get the grace of justification and sanctification, and also the means by which we can see things in this world from God's perspective. To be in Christ is to take on his identity, to be transformed into his image. And if we're transformed into the image of Jesus, that means we're being transformed into the image of God. And so we come right back to the beginning of the Bible again, because it's about having that original image that Adam received given back to us, restored in us. To be in Christ is to be united with him organically, like the branches of a vine, as Jesus said in his talk in John 15. But to be part of his body, which is called not merely to believe in the gospel, but also to become the gospel, and thereby to advance the gospel, means that the true church, i.e. the body of those who truly are Christians, should be a living commentary on scripture and of the good news of the crucified and resurrected Lord. You see, when it comes to the Holy Spirit or being in Christ, it comes back to activity. It's not just here, it's what comes out and flows out into the wider world. Christians are not merely to believe in Christ, but to become part of that body of Christ which reincarnates the Messiah in the world. As God sent his Son, his Son sends us to bear witness in word and deed to the gospel of the crucified and resurrected Messiah. 
the church is called not merely to believe the good news, but also to become good news. And by becoming good news, it will advance the gospel. And the true church is a living commentary of scripture. Ideally, in a world when people say, what, does, what is Jesus like? We should just be at a point and say, this is what he's like by looking at the church or the people that go to church or the people that are Christian. So two marks that distinguish the true Christian from the nominal, the false, or the unchristian. Christ is inside them and active, and they are in Christ. And the effect of that, the effect of both of them, should be seen. as Christ's life and light goes into the darkness of the world around us. And if that is true, and it is true, but if it is true of us, then that does raise the question, what is stopping us from transforming the Isle of Wight to the Isle of Light? Amen.